Welcome back to the Second and Two podcast. I'm your host, TB. I'm joined today by my co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jody. What's up, Joe? What's good, bro? Well, um, we're in the middle of June. I mean, you know, you got you got OTAs and all of those good things going. I mean, there's some stuff happening in the NFL, but really not a whole lot. Like for clarity's sake, like the big story of today is like the Rams re-signed Sony Michelle on a one-year deal. Like that's what that's the kind of news we're getting these days. So um the running back, huh? He was part of their Super Bowl Super Bowl winning team. There you go. Bring him back. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the biggest news in sports right now is like the NBA draft is coming up and there's all kinds of trades happening, you know, things like that. So yeah. really not talking a whole lot of uh NFL news in the sports world these days, but uh you and I are gonna power through anyway. Yep. Well we're back with our weekly divisional round preview. You know what I mean? We got yeah. The AFC North this week. Talking Ravens, Bengals, Steelers, Browns. Mm-hmm. All the good stuff. So it's gonna be a crazy division. I mean I feel like it has been the past couple of years. But you know, with all the stuff that the Ravens are doing now, pretty crazy. Well I think the best stat that we can give to kind of really talk about this division. It's the only division in football last year where every team went three and three in the division. Mm. All four teams went three and three against each other in 2022. Um, Over the last 20 years, it's consistently been one of the most competitive divisions. Now it's usually been a three team race, you know, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Ravens. Yeah. But uh, in the, in about the last three three years, the Browns have kind of they've they've been better. You know, they've been a better better team. Yeah, yeah. You know, um. So I'll give you some tidbits about the division. All right, Joe. Every team has won a playoff game since 2016. Every team in this division. Can you name each team's last playoff win at least a year? Ooh. So the Bengals, obviously last year. Yep, last year their most recent win was at the Bills in the divisional round. There you go. Ravens, uh, I will say maybe 2020. We'll go 2020. 2020, they won a wild card game at the Titans. All right. Steelers. It was Big Ben's last year. I believe. No, they just I no. they just made it. I don't think he won. Mm-mm, uh, yeah. Yep, you're right. Let's go 2018. 2016. They won a divisional game uh at the Chiefs. That was when Alex Smith was still the starting quarterback. They still had the killer bees with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Antonio Brown. They were real yeah. still. Yeah. It's actually surprising that the Steelers are the team that it's, it has the longest playoff win drought right now. Yeah. And then um, Browns was with Baker. I don't know what year that was. Well, we 2020. Yeah, there you go. I was going to say, we talked about they, it last week. They actually won a wild, the wild card game at the Steelers in 2020. Oh. Yep. So that's each team's most recent playoff win. Um, 
The last time the Browns won the division, Jody. I don't think you're going to get this. 56 or something. Okay, well, that that's a little disrespectful, I think, for you to go that deep right there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a shot to the heart of every well, okay, Browns okay. fan. I, I think, seriously, right. if I'm being serious i think it's like 92 or something really close 1989 what's what's actually gonna blow your mind right now the titans the jaguars and the oilers have more recent wins in this division because it used to be the afc central that morphed into the afc north and the 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 titans jags and oilers won the afc central since the last time the browns won the AFC Central. The Browns have actually never won the AFC North. Dang. That's yeah. Not a good look. Yeah. The Bengals and Browns obviously have no Super Bowl wins. The uh, the Ravens have two Super Bowl wins. Um, one with, with Coach Harbaugh. And then they ha- the Steelers have six Super Bowl wins. Obviously, they've got one with Tomlin yeah. over the uh, the Cardinals. He made that second trip, and they lost to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, if you remember. Start of uh, the 2010 decade. Mm. Let's see. Okay, so this is another fun tidbit. Um, Speaking of Mike Tomlin and and John Harbaugh, this division has two of the three longest tenured head coaches in the NFL right now. Can you name the longest tenured? Outside of them two, let's go Billy B. Yeah. So Bill Belichick is one, Mike Tomlin is two, John Harbaugh is three. So Tomlin has been the head coach going on 17 years. He was named the head coach in 2007. Harbaugh has been the head coach going on 16 years. He was named the head coach in 2008. Mm. Um, Tomlin and Harbaugh are the only pair of head coaches to face off more than 25 times in the Super Bowl era. They've actually faced off 33 times total so far. This year will make at least 35. Yeah. Tomlin has won 18 matchups and Harbaugh has won 15. So they're pretty close to being Titans almost Titans. even. Yeah. Pretty well. Steelers own the Raven, low key. 18 15. Yeah. Still an edge. <laughs> um, then the last little tidbit I get, I have for you. Um, this division has a, a very good shot to have all four teams finish above 500 and maybe have three or even four playoff teams from one division. Is that possible? Yeah. I three wild cards. I think, I think the AFC or the NFC East last year almost did it right for a little bit. The NFC East had two, yeah, three playoff teams, two wild cards. And then, and then, yeah, the commanders kind of, fell out but yeah. um yeah no one i mean we've only had the three wild card teams for a few years now yeah. and uh so no one's ever no division has ever gotten all of its teams in the playoffs because obviously before a few years ago it wasn't possible so maybe the afc north in 2023 can be that team that division that'd be pretty crazy that, i mean that kind of relies on the browns right according because our yeah. Steelers, bro our guy tomlin never had a losing record Tomlin has has put his team in position pretty much year in and year out. Yeah, it would probably come down to the Browns. Obviously, we think the Ravens and the Bengals are both going to be very, very good. 
Um, so yeah, it, it would likely come down to the the Browns and whether or not they can they can get themselves right this year. Speaking of those Browns, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Browns they went seven and ten last year, finished last in the division, making them miss the playoffs. I mean, we kind of touched on it. I mean, they didn't have Deshaun for the longest. You know, I don't. I'm not saying that makes a difference early on or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He was suspended what like twelve games or something. So yeah, I'm sure that that has a little factor at least. Yeah, um, the the Browns obviously yes bringing bringing Deshaun back later in the year last year was um, sort of a different situation for them. There was obviously a lot going on with that. Um, he was okay when he came back, not great. I would think that they're expecting. Obviously, much better things from him this year, considering what they paid him, what they traded for to get him, all of that. Um, in terms of studying their roster, they did have quite a quite a bit of turnover this year. You know, they lost free agent linebacker Deion Jones. Um, safety John Johnson III is actually still out there as a free agent right now. Um, could be signed any day now. Um, but it looks like he's not going back to Cleveland, so we'll count that as a loss. Um, edge to Davion Clowney, another guy who's who's actually still unsigned. Um, the likelihood says he's going to wait until kind of in the middle of camp to kind of not have to do camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah see, what, see what happens with teams. He wants to be on a contender, so it kind of makes sense. Um, Jacoby Brissett went and signed in Washington. Kareem Hunt, another guy who's just kind of out there. Right now, waiting to see if he can find a team. D. Lyman, Taven Bryan, offensive tackle Chris Hubbard, guard Joe Haig, edge Chase Winovich, cornerback Greedy Williams, and uh, safety Ronnie Harrison, all guys who who won't appear to be back in Cleveland, whether they're unsigned right now or they actually did sign with another team, but all teams that appear that will not be back with Cleveland. You look at what they brought in. They signed D. Lyman, Dalvin Tomlinson, kind of their biggest signing in the offseason. Uh, they brought in Edge Adarius Smith from Minnesota, which was a big-time deal for them. Safety Juan Thornhill, Edge Ogbo Okoronkwo, receiver Elijah Moore, safety Rodney McLeod, quarterback Josh Dobbs, receiver Marquise Goodwin, and D. Lyman Maurice Hurst. So they brought in a lot of these guys are more or less going to fill depth pieces, a couple starters in there, but um, definitely help themselves in terms of becoming a deeper football team in free agency. Yeah. Josh Dobbs is an interesting one. I mean, my guy was on the Titans last year and now he's here. Yeah. I mean, he'll Kobe bring him in. Yeah. He'll fill the backup quarterback role for sure. Yeah. But looking at some people they added in the draft too, they had a receiver, Cedric Tillman. And a D lineman, Tiaki Aika. I mean, it seems like they beefed up their defense, but also a lot of defensive dudes in general. So it makes sense. Yeah. And I, I Tiaki Aika is a guy who went. I remember I told you this D line class when we looked at the draft was kind of thin. He was a guy who was just outside my top five. Despite it being a thin draft class there, he was a guy that, um, you know, I did, I did like. Um, they also drafted Dewan Jones, the tackle from Ohio State. He was a top five, you know, he's the fifth best guy on my board. Yeah. yeah. Um, quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson is kind of a sneaky one out of UCLA. You know, he could be that 
that third quarterback that, you know, we talked about being active on game days. He might be that kind of role for them. And he's a different kind of, he's different kind of player. He's got a lot of athleticism, had a long career at UCLA. So we'll see if maybe he can make the roster become that third quarterback for them. And the management coaching staff, they got general manager, Andrew Barry, head coach, Kevin Stefanski. I almost said HC, just reading it off the paper. <laughs> Offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt and D coordinator, Jim Schwartz. They bring back similar staff though. They did add Jim Schwartz to be the DC this year. I think the Browns are hoping to be better defensively and uh, Schwartz should be able to give them a little extra juice there. Um, I think is, is the hope obviously when you look at this Browns team, I think the strength starts up front. Their O-line is arguably the best offensive line in football, right? I mean, every name is a guy that, you know, you know, they're right there with, with Philly. I know, uh-huh. Last year, Philly was definitely the best. Losing Isaac Siamalu, you know, and and having to replace him, losing a little bit of their depth, Andre Dillard, that kind of stuff. Maybe the Browns can challenge. Um, I still think Philly's got the deepest O-line in football, but the Browns might have the best first five. Um, So at left tackle, Jedrick Willis Jr., he's a dude. Left guard, Joel Batonio. Center, Ethan Posich. Right guard Wyatt Teller and right tackle Jack Conklin. Um, that's a that's a really good group up front. And then um, obviously some guys backing them up: James Hudson the third at tackle, but then also Dewan Jones. So they just um, you know drafted from Ohio State. And then uh, Drew Forbes and Nick Harris give them more interior O line depth. Um, you, Joe, you look like you wanted to. See, you were were you you were questioning my my thought on this on this group. I could tell. For what? The lineman? Yeah. Oh, nah. I, I was, I'd just been sitting here. I was trying to, var- like, I guess, solidify if I knew who you were talking about this whole time. DeWan Jones, he was the right tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. He was opposite Paris Johnson. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I thought you were going to hit me with, like, ah, I don't think the Browns are the best five. Oh, so no, I, I was I mean, ready. I, wouldn't, I mean, I, if you continue with the list, you know, our guy Nick Chubb back there, he's one of the best running backs in the league, I would say. And oh, for sure. Those dudes blocking for you, I mean, I guess it kind of adds up. Yeah, yeah. Going through the, the obviously, at quarterback Deshaun Watson comes back. He'll have a full year this year. Josh Dobbs backing him up. Um, at running back, you got Nick Chubb. And backing up Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt is gone. So a guy I think that you would expect to take a bigger role, Temecula's very own. Demetric Felton Jr. He was um, refs in uh, special teams like last year and the year before, I think. Yeah, I think I think he'll he'll probably do some more for them offensively this year. Guy that we had to play against in high school, extremely fast and quick. I can attest. Um, <laughs> I still remember. I still remember this. This is a quick thirty second aside. They the team he was on, Great Oak High School, went empty. He was the number three receiver. We were playing cover two, um, and the way we played it, the mic had to match up with number three. Like I was playing the safety to that side, and I had to play between one and two, right, because it's cover two. And the mic was um, – I forget his name. He's not a bad player, but 
he was a regular high school linebacker playing against what is eventually an NFL running back out of the slot. And just the, the, he just ran vertical down the pipe and they threw it up to him and it scored. And our, uh, our head Coy or no, no, I, I can't remember his name. It was our, it was 2014. Yeah. Our senior year. He was, he was an underclassman. He was younger than us. I don't remember his name though. I can picture him, but I don't remember his name. I don't know. No. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you, but, uh, yeah, I remember our head coach was yelling, and he's, he was yelling at me because he thought I busted the coverage. Yeah. And uh, I was like, so bad. <laughs> I was like, no, coach, it was cover two. Like, that's the mic. Yeah. And then he went and yelled at the defensive coordinator instead because he was asking why the heck we played that coverage versus that look yeah. and how, how did we end up with a matchup where our mic was covering Demetric Felton. <laughs> so, anyway, long story short, the dude scored like a 60-yard touchdown on us, and our head coach thought it was my fault, but it wasn't. Probably not the greatest greatest call versus that look. It was a tough, tough one. Yeah, tough L we took on that day. Yeah, we ended up losing the game. It was a good game, though, but we ended up losing. I remember that. So looking, in, looking back at their, at their team, their receivers, Amari Cooper at the X, Cedric Tillman will probably back him up. Um, David and Joku at the Y at the tight end spot. They like to use him in a lot of different creative ways. At the R, they bring in Elijah Moore out of uh, the Jets. I think he's really excited to be there. They also have Jakeem Grant behind him. And then at the Z, Donovan Peoples Jones, been a really good player for where he was drafted out of Michigan for you know about the last three or four years for the Browns. He's done a really nice job, had a solid season last year. And then they bring in Marquise Goodwin to give them a, an, a super speed threat as well. Um, you look at these receivers, it's a group that's going to attack vertically, you know, Cedric Tillman and Marquise Goodwin bring a lot of speed. Um, Donovan Peoples Jones in his own right, whereas Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, more your kind of route technicians. So I do think they have a good mix of, of weapons here for Deshaun Watson, for Kevin Stefanski calling the offense as well. Uh, defensively, Miles Garrett on the edge, obviously a stalwart in this defense. Inside, you've got Dalvin Tomlinson, Jordan Elliott. On the other edge, they bring in Zadarius Smith. They also have Ogbo Karonquo to give uh, give him depth. Alex Wright inside, the recent signing of Maurice Hurst, and then the draft pick, Aika Siaki, um, giving them more depth as well. So they actually have a pretty decent um, depth up front. Um, you look at the linebackers, uh, Jock, Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa at the Will linebacker. Out of Notre Dame, had a really good year, first year. Figures to be an important player for them. Anthony Walker Jr. in the middle with uh, Sion Takitaki backing him up. Then in the in the nickel corner spot, you got Grant Newsom the second, who's kind of become one of the better nickel corners in the league. He's a really good coverage player there. On the back end, uh, Denzel Ward. Uh, with Mike Ford behind him at the corner spot, Juan Thornhill comes in in his first year, starting at the free safety. Grant Delpit at the strong safety, Rodney McLeod giving them some depth behind him. And then at the other corner spot, Martin Emerson Jr., um, he's going to have to replace what they had with Greedy Williams. And we'll see what he does this year. All right, so I had to pull up our roster from that year because I was curious, right? Uh-huh. And so my first couple guesses off top, Austin Smith. No. Jose Corral. 
That's who it was. It was Jose. Shout out, Jose. If you ever listen to this podcast, sorry that we're giving you a shout out for getting burnt. But in reality, that was not a great matchup for you. So you shouldn't feel bad about it at all. All right. Quick random note. I just played Fortnite with this dude like three, four days ago. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, pretty funny. That's insane, actually. That's a crazy coincidence. Wow. Yeah, so Tell him to listen to the pod. He went to <laughs> NAU, rushed the fraternity I was in, and so a homie I know from our fraternity who he was in his pledge class, he I guess he kept in touch with him, and yeah, the rest is history. There you go. The rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, so... After that quick, you know, off-topic discussion, we're looking at the schedule <laughs> for the Browns. The Browns start off versus the Bengals. Tough matchup off rip. Playing them at home, not only is it the Bengals, but it's their first divisional game. They actually play all three of their divisional games in the first four weeks. That's yeah. Unfortunate. So the second week, they play the Steelers in Pittsburgh on a Monday night game. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Tough. That's what we just talked about in that first there's the team that you know they they got to pull off that win if they want they want to compete for that last spot in the uh, playoff picture. Week three and four they're at home. They play the Titans and then the Ravens. Dang, another another team with a quick buy. The first one you can get week five. Coming out that buy, it's not looking too good. They're playing the Niners at home though, so that's good. Then they travel for two games. They got the Colts and the Seahawks. So. They go to Indianapolis, and then they got to travel across the country all the way up to Seattle. They got the Cardinals at home following that Seahawks game. Then they play the Ravens again, week 10 in uh, Baltimore. Week 11, they play the Steelers. That's tough, just playing two back-to-back divisional games again. Kind of unfortunate. The Steelers is at home this time. And they go on the road for two games. They go out to Denver. Following that, they go out to L.A., play the Rams. And they got two home games here, week 14 and 15. They got the Jaguars at home and the Bears. Let's see. Week 16, they play the Texans in Houston. Week 17, they got a tough Thursday night game versus the Jets, but they're at home at least. And then they close out with the Bengals. Dang, they play the Bengals the first week and the last week. Looking at it, you know, I think the first six weeks of their schedule is really tough. You mentioned they play three divisional games in the first four weeks. You know, having to go open the year with the Bengals, then at the Steelers on Monday Night Football, that's a that's a really tough two two game opener, right? Then the nice thing for them is they basically get to be at home for four straight weeks with games against the Titans and Ravens, the bye, and then coming out of the bye, a home game versus the Niners. However, those three opponents are tough opponents, right? You know, the Titans are, you know, a middling borderline playoff team. The Ravens, we obviously think are a real contender. The Niners, we think are a real contender. I mean, so that's a that's a pretty tough first six weeks, even with the bye in there and having more home games than road games. You figure in the first six weeks of the year, they only have to go on the road once. So you would think that makes it easier, but I mean, the level of opponent, the quality of opponent there makes that a really tough stretch. So I do think that's probably their toughest stretch of the year, despite being at home for a good chunk of it. You look then kind of going forward, 
it doesn't get much easier, man. They got to go to the Seahawks, right? Yeah. Um, playing at Mile High is not a fun experience. Uh, I do think, however, weeks 12 through 16 is probably the easiest stretch of games in terms of their opponents. At the Broncos, at the Rams, versus the Jaguars, versus the Bears, at the Texans. You know, having to make that back-to-back West Coast trip with the Broncos in Mile High, then the Rams in L.A., that's not an easy trip by any means, but both those teams are teams looking to bounce back this year. So you don't know what kind of season those teams will be having by that point. The Jaguars, we obviously think are, you know, a, a at least a contender to win their division. Um, the Bears could be a team that could be much improved, but you don't know. They're kind of young. And then the Texans, we've talked about where they're at in terms of being kind of a team in transition. So it's not by any means easy. I think this is a tough schedule despite playing the AFC South. Um, there, there's some there's some pretty tough games on the schedule and the way that it shakes out. Uh, I don't think that, that the Browns got a traditional fourth-place schedule here. It's, it's a really <laughs> tough one. Um, Especially when the Jets are considered the fourth place, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a traditional fourth place opponent. Yeah, it's so... It's a it's a tough schedule, no doubt, and I think, um, you know, as we get to record predictions here, we'll kind of talk about that part. Yeah, well, I mean, before I get into that, I will say when I was reading it, I couldn't really tell what would be the easy stretch. The one you mentioned, I didn't realize till after you talked about your like tough stretch, but other than that, it's like it, it's pretty well rounded schedule. Where it's not like anything's too easy or too hard at one point, you know. Yeah, the hard is truly the hard part but after that it's like it all seems pretty pretty even mm-hmm. i think they they play it's a it's a tough setting it's just yeah. you know it's tough and it, <laughs> it, it the more i look at the more i look at nfl schedules the more it's like you just realize that there are no easy weeks in the nfl you know and that's just so evident in the, the way any given sunday yep the results the way things happen it's always you know, there's always so many unexpected things, and that, that this is why, because it's just, you know, the quality of competition is so great. Yeah. So with our uh, predictions for their record, you had them going nine and eight. I had them at seven and ten again. For me, I was just thinking, if it, it, it might not seem like they improved, right, being seven and ten, but I think we kind of talked about it like a week or two ago, where it's, uh, I don't remember what team, but it was basically that the team they'll be much better. Like the team itself will be better than what it was, but they'll still perform the same just based off what the schedule is. You know? Yeah, yeah. I do think that this offensive line is so good. Chubb is so good. You get a full year of Deshaun Watson. Jim Schwartz brings a different attitude defensively. They have some playmakers there. I think this is a good football team. I think they're a borderline playoff football team. But um, they play in a really hard division. I just explained they have a really hard schedule. And even with all that being said, I really respect this team um, because I think the talent is is as good as you know any of the other teams in the division. So I, I'm going to say that they're going to go 9-8. and eight. I think Deshaun Watson has something to prove this year. You know, and that's... In, and, and that's professionally, personally, I think he's got a lot to prove to to everybody, right? To people around him, to the NFL, to fans, all of that. And 
which is not to frame it as some kind of like comeback story. Like, you know, that's, that's not what we're trying to do here, but I do imagine that he is very motivated to have a much better season. Um, and I think he has the pieces around him to be successful. So if he does that, the Browns are really dangerous. So I think nine and eight is, is very likely for them just because they're a good football team, but to play a really hard schedule. I agree. Couldn't get, couldn't get more of the truth on that statement. But a question I had for you was, do you think that Deshaun Watson can get back to his play that he had in Houston when he made a little, little trip to the playoffs real quick? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the question on everybody's mind. I think if you're a Browns fan, is are you going to get what you paid for, right? Yeah, <laughs> in terms of him. draft capital and and money you know financial investment you look back at his stats last year it was very pedestrian he went three and three in the games that he started threw for 1100 yards in those games he had a seven to five touchdown to interception ratio so that was an average of about 183 yards a game 1.1 touchdowns 0.83 picks 29 (laughs) rushing yards per game so it, it you know if you average that out over the course of a season it's not like he would have had a, a fantastic year last year which yeah. in all reality considering the circumstances you know he didn't play football for basically almost two full years and then was with the team got to train with the team in the off season but then didn't train with them all in the season 12th week yeah it was like it was like he could train with them with practice with them for like four weeks the last four weeks of his suspension yeah so he was only really practicing with the team for a month before his first start and so you you put all that together and i think uh you know it just wasn't a recipe for him to be very good so but what i will say is there were some games that i watched i really watched this Bengals game i thought this was where he played his best footballs the second start back you know, there's some evidence here that you could say, hey, man, he could he could go duel with Joe Joe Burrow. Like, he threw a strike right there to Amari Cooper on the out route. Yeah, Amari um, this Cooper is, was a beast for them last year, too. Yeah. This was uh, in Cincinnati, a game that they ended up losing. Their offense didn't actually score that many points, but you look at statistically, they put up a lot of yards. Their problem was they didn't finish drives. But you kind of look at like the athleticism right here, right? He's got a rusher in his face off the play action, still able to get the throw off, and it's a it's a really positive gain, about 15 yards. Um, you can see it really well from this angle, off the boot action, right in his face, and gets it out of his hands quick. You know that athleticism. There's Demetric Felton in the backfield, and here they run a little speed option with him, and you. Can, Again, you can see his athleticism, though, and all the different things that they can do with him, right? You know, you got Demetric Felton and Nick Chubb in the backfield. It ends up being Sean Watson who actually has the ball. So that lets you know what kind of athlete he is. And here we go, kind of at the end of the half. He's trying to get him in field goal range. Throws a dart right through the teeth of the defense. Finds the hole in the zone, right? Gets him in a position where they might be able to go get that that field goal at the end of half. Nice job finding the soft spot in the zone. 
And then here was a drive in the second half, right, where he's just he leads him down the field. This is where they score their only touchdown of this game. Throws the comeback route to Donovan Peoples Jones. That's a really tough route to throw, right? You gotta you gotta have some juice on zip on the ball to make sure that it gets in there, gets over the flat defender, but underneath that corner coming back, throws it on time. Here he goes, identifying he's gonna get some pressure. Step up, don't see it, run. We'll say just based off these couple plays, my guy needs to learn how to slide. Yeah, needs a little bit of help there for sure. But again, the thing that you know you notice is like the athleticism is definitely still there. He's still a younger guy. You look here, coming off the play action fake, straight drop back, step up, up. Great job in the pocket. Throws a strike to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Again, a guy who he developed a lot of chemistry with last year. I told you it's had a couple good years, but seemed like he and Deshaun Watson really connected. I could see that being a very beneficial, mutually beneficial pairing this year over the course of a whole season. Here he comes again. Buying time. Great feet in the pocket. Again, finds Donovan Peoples-Jones on the sideline. Or Actually, this one was Amari Cooper, I should, I should say. Finds Amari Cooper working back to the sideline, puts it on him so he can catch the ball, get out of bounds. But it, his feet in the pocket are still very good. You know, his, his athleticism is still there. Got great arm talent. All the things that made him a high pick still exist. I think a full offseason in this offense with Stefanski and with these weapons will make him a guy who, you know, they're going to feel – yeah, they're going to feel like they're getting the money's worth that they paid him. You know, now in terms of, you know, obviously he's got to stay uh, stay out of trouble, you know, off the field and all that, what happened with him in Houston. But on the field as a product, like he's he's still right there. You watch these throws that he's making. He throws another strike into zone coverage right to yeah, Njoku. And this is the other thing. The other thing you notice is that he's spreading the ball around. It's not like he just you know, he's finding Amari Cooper every play, right? He's he's getting the ball to all these guys. We're seeing it in Joku, Peoples Jones. And Joku again here in the flat, who puts it on him, gives him a chance to make a play, create yards after the catch. Gets like fifteen. It's a martyr. It's it's Nick Chubb, right? It's all the weapons in this offense. With that offensive line, this this could be a really sneaky, dangerous offense this year. And now here's the last play of the drive, the little drive capper. ED. Great sell on the play action fake. Get the ball to your guy in the flat and let Njoku go score. And Njoku was on fire for those last three, uh, <laughs> those last three plays. And great way, great job of selling the fake. Getting the ball to Njoku. The lineman definitely thought he had a free shot right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. So I think Deshaun will have a much better year. I think he's got something to prove. I think the Browns could look much improved offensively in 23. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because, you know, that O-line got to translate somewhere. And if, if it's the W category, then, hey, this division just gets more exciting than it already is. Let's see. The next team we're taking a look at for sure is the the Ravens. They went ten and seven. 
finished second in the division, and then they lost in that first round of the playoffs last year. Another team that, you know, consistently been good ever since Lamar's been there. So look forward to see what they got going forward this year. Yeah, um, they're another team that, you know, underwent some change in this offseason, but I think most of their losses were were aging veterans, guys who were probably going to be on their way out, right? You look at guys like cornerback Marcus Peters, D-lineman Calais Campbell, you know, receiver Sammy Watkins, edge Justin Houston. Some other guys that really helped them last year, I thought, you know, cornerback Kyle Fuller, safety Chuck Clark, guard Ben Powers. Those those losses are, you know, um, they're going to feel all of these losses. I think some guys more so in terms of veteran presence and leadership than on-field production. Some guys more on-field production. But they did do a decent job of identifying certain things in free agency and bringing some guys in. Um, they brought in cornerback Rocky Asin, um, which helps fill that need at corner. They brought in uh, receiver Nelson Aguilar, who you know has – going to give them great depth there, another weapon. And then quarterback Josh Johnson, another guy that gives them some depth at quarterback. They actually have probably one of the deeper quarterback rooms now in the NFL, I would say. Um, I think they have four quarterbacks on the roster that they would feel okay with going into a game. Well, they have obviously Lamar, right? And backing him up is, is Huntley. Um, they also have Anthony Brown, who is the Oregon quarterback from a few years ago, who's been on their roster a couple years. I think he's he's developed in their offense. And and then there's Josh Johnson. So it's actually probably a pretty intriguing quarterback battle between Josh Johnson and Anthony Brown to see who could be that third quarterback there. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. The, the pe- or couple dudes they picked up in the draft, wide receiver Zay Flowers, we talked about him. Mm-hmm. Really quick, shifty guy. I don't know if you seen yesterday, but Lamar was saying he had a growth spurt and is like six one now. I don't know if that's true, but that's pretty wild if that's the case. <laughs> is that okay? So that's like been a social media trend. Is everyone saying, saying everyone's growing? yes? So I don't know if that's like he's if that's serious or if he was joking. I don't know, but I uh, <laughs> I feel like I also have been growing low key. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm I'm not saying I'm like five ten now, like that's way out of the picture. But I feel like I am getting taller, low key. Okay. But I don't know. Who knows? Jody, yeah, twenty. Yeah. What are you? Twenty six? Are you my age? Twenty six and still getting taller. Impressive. And then linebacker Trenton Simpson as well. But I think we also previewed in our. Yeah, I loved. Those Ravens picks, man. Zay Flowers and Trenton Simpson were two of my like favorite guys at their position in the draft. Those are just two guys I really liked. He's uh, a Clemson uh, guy, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Exactly and then they also picked up another guy, the edge, uh, T- Tavius Robinson. So they had a they didn't have a lot of picks, but uh-huh. I liked well, the quality of their picks. Yeah, I liked what they did. And coaching staff and management that they got, general manager Eric DaCosta. You know, some of these general managers I do know, right, as we go along. But other ones, I was like, I don't know this guy, but he's been here for probably years, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just not a name that constantly gets brought up. Head coach, John Harbaugh, as you talked about. 
what did you say? Twelve years? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. It's been it's been one whole slide, and I don't know what to, what we talked about in the beginning <laughs> of the show. Uh, let's see. Offensive coordinator Todd Monkin and yeah. coordinator Mike McDonald. Mac is it McDonald or McDonald? Or is it the same Yeah, thing? McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so one thing that I've noticed from John Harbaugh, he has not been afraid to reach into the college ranks and pull up his coordinators, even though um, those guys had NFL ties previously. Like Mike McDonald was on the Harbaugh staff in Baltimore, then went down to college to go coach for his brother at Michigan as the defensive coordinator, had a great season, then came back to Baltimore to be their DC last year. And I had a really good first year in Baltimore. Todd Munkin, a guy who had been in the NFL before, but um, recently has been serving as the offensive coordinator of Georgia and obviously has had a great run there. He went and pulled him this year to be his offensive coordinator. So Harbaugh, I think, you know, as you, as you look at head coaches, I think one trait that great NFL code coaches have is identifying other good coaches to be on their staff, right? I think the best ones understand that they're going to pull guys. And if you get good ones, those guys end up being head coaches so that they leave you and then you have to replace them. So you have to be really good at identifying that. And I think Harbaugh's consistently been, you know, part of why he's been so successful for so long because he can identify those guys. I think Tomlin's like that, right? I think yeah. Belichick is like that. Um, last year's offensive coordinator debacle aside, um, <laughs> I think Sean McVay is like that. I think Andy Reid is like that. Like all these guys are great head coaches because they're great coaches in their own right, but they also identify coaching talent and can help develop those guys. And I think John Harbaugh does such a good job of that that I expect um, Todd Munkin to be another guy to just be a seamless fit for their offense. That. The Georgia offense, you know, I, so based off what I can attest to, I would say we're going to be looking at more, more throws coming out of Lamar than we're probably used to. But I, I don't, I truly don't know. Yeah, I mean, I saw something the other day that was like Lamar's allowed to check protections now, and I thought, wow, it's crazy he wasn't allowed to check protections before. <laughs> um, so it seems like Todd Munkin's treating Lamar like a big boy. Which is a good thing, um, and there's not going to be. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. It, well, there you go. Yeah, like if you're going to go get paid that much and you're an MVP, like we need to yeah. take training wheels off and we need to let you have command of the offense. Yeah, if we're going to be successful. So I think that's a smart move. I think that's why they brought Todd Munkin in. Um, it makes a lot of sense from that standpoint. You look at their offensive line starting up front. Um, left tackle Ronnie Staley um, is good when he's healthy. You know, that's just been the big thing, just making sure he's healthy. Um, Patrick McCarry is his backup. Then you also have Milasala Amave Lalu at the left guard. He's a mouthful for sure. Um, <laughs> John Simpson, a little bit easier name to say, backing him up. Center, Tyler Linderbaum, pretty good player. Right guard, Kevin Zeitler. And then at right tackle, Morgan Moses with Daniel Falale backing him up. Um, Baltimore's offensive line has always felt like a strength for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and this year, I would say, is probably no different. They have a pretty good group up front. At quarterback, obviously, 
talked about their quarterback room being pretty deep. Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley, Anthony Brown, and now Josh Johnson. That's a good group of four right there. Running back, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, all familiar faces and names that have played for them for the last few years, um, especially when they've had you know one or potentially all those guys hurt. They've all kind of had to play big roles. Rotating. Um, this Ravens receiver group completely souped up and different. And the one guy who's back, obviously, is Rashad Bateman. He had a good start to his rookie year before he got hurt. Um, hopefully, he is now fully healthy, um, and we'll see him back. Behind him, you've got Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. Tight end, Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely, two really good tight ends. Um, I would venture to say maybe the best combo of tight ends in the NFL, best two deep. Um at the slot position, you've got Zay Flowers coming in. James Prochet, the second, is also backing him up. And then obviously you have Odell Beckham Jr. coming in. Devin Duvernay backing him up. So much better group at receiver, I would say, from a talent perspective for Lamar this year. Got to be the most like receiver weapons he's had in his time, honestly. Yeah, it feels like it for sure. Defensively. At the edge, you've got Adolfe Owe and David Ajabo backing him up. Inside, Michael Pierce and Travis Jones with then Broderick Washington. On the other edge, Justin Matabuki and Brent Urban backing him up. Then at linebacker, they have a really good group. The Ravens maybe have one of the better linebacker groups, at least one of my favorite linebacker groups in the league right now. Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, Tyus Bauer, and Trenton Simpson. Really good group of four right there. And Trenton Simpson, one of the things I like about him, and actually really all four of these linebackers, they can all do different stuff, right? You Like you can blitz them. You can put them on the edge and let them be an edge player. You can play them at true off-ball linebacker. They're fast. They're physical. I think it's a really good group of linebackers. Um, and Mike McDonald should have fun with them. <laughs> Slot corner, Brandon Stevens. At cornerback, you know, you've got Rocky Asin and Marlon Humphrey, who's been there for a while, been a really good player. Safety, Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton, their first-round pick from last year, who's a pretty good player. So it's a good defensive group. Um, I really like their linebacker depth. Um, I like their initial starting group of DBs, not as much depth there, um, and they're still pretty good up front. So overall, pretty talented Ravens roster. Now, one quick note I have before we jump into the schedule is when you talked about the best like uh, tight end duo, got me thinking we should probably maybe do an episode prior to the uh, the start of the season where we talk about best you know receiver room or whatever something along those lines you know get get some I'm down juices flowing. Let's go. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah. So the Ravens scheduled this year. Well, we'll I'll start before. Before we get into, I'll start kind of touching on this prediction. We both have them being pretty good. At, I'll say that. You know, we both expect them to do really well. I'll say quick little tease. They're going to improve in our minds from what they did last year. So yeah. start off, first the Texans, week one at home. Then they got they got to travel to Cincy, play the Bengals, so they get their first divisional game right there, week two. Then they got the Colts at home. So those first couple games, 
two out of the three, they got some possible rookie quarterbacks they might be facing. Who knows? And then week four, five, and six, they travel on the road. They got the Browns. Uh, week four, week five, they play in Pittsburgh. And then week six, they got they got the ultimate travel going to London, playing the Titans. Week seven, they come back from London and they play the Lions. Then week eight, they're back on the road going to Arizona, playing the Cardinals. Let's see, week nine, they, they play the Seahawks at home. And then week 10, they get their the start of the second round of the divisional games. They play the Bengals at home. Week 11, they play Thursday night versus the Bengals at home. Now that that's one that's going to be fun to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Week 12, they go to L.A. and they play the Chargers on a Sunday night game. And then they get their bye week finally, week 13, after a long time of traveling. Then they play the Rams at home week 14. Week 15 and 16, they're on the road. A couple more primetime games here. They got the Jaguars Sunday night. Week 16, they got the Niners on a Monday night game, which also happens to be Christmas. Week 17, they play the Dolphins at home. And then week 18, they close out on the road in Pittsburgh. So I would say that basically week nine on, the Ravens are just going to be in a gauntlet. Mm. Um, they're going to play oh, all these playoff teams slash borderline playoff teams. The Seahawks, I think that's a playoff team. The Browns, I think that's a borderline, maybe just missed. The Bengals, that's a real contender. The Chargers, I think that's a playoff team. The Rams, I think they're in the Browns boat where they're borderline. The Jaguars, they're probably a playoff team. The 49ers, that's a playoff team. The Dolphins, they're kind of borderline. The Steelers, they're kind of bo- – I mean, you're talking about basically from week nine on, they're just going to be in – it's going to be playoff mode, yeah. It's going to be a really tough stretch, dude. That's – in totality, that might be the toughest long stretch of, of just grueling games that anyone has. Yeah. You know, I think there are teams who have tougher four-game stretches where you're like, okay, they're playing the four best teams in the league, right? Like I mm-hmm. talked about the Eagles. But, like, man, over a course of not, you know, 10 straight weeks, this is about as tough as it gets. If I was singling out a stretch, I mean, I, I think after the bye – you know, where they got to play the Rams at the Jaguars on Sunday Night Football, at the Niners on Christmas Day, first the Dolphins, at the Steelers. I think that's a tough stretch. I think um, it's interesting, too, during this stretch, they have four primetime games, which can kind of take a toll. It's just different. So they have these backloaded primetime games, too. Um, so I think that's that's the tough stretch you look at. In terms of an easier stretch, I would say it's it's a little earlier in the year, weeks three through eight. They get the Colts at home. They do have to go three straight road games, Brown Steelers at Titans in London. That's not easy. So if I'm saying that's the easy stretch of their schedule, that tells you something. Um, they get the Lions at home, and then they got to go to Arizona. I I would still say, you know, I'm saying that that six-game stretch is their easy stretch, but they have to play four of those games on the road, and they're playing probably four borderline playoff teams. You know? That's true. The Browns, the Steelers, the Titans, and the Lions, I would say, are all playoff or borderline playoff. The Colts and the Cardinals are maybe the only two games on their schedule, maybe with the Texans, that you could reasonably say, okay, those three teams, probably not playoff teams this year. So it's 
It, the, the, the one saving grace they have, they don't play anyone coming off a bye. That does help a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's a tough schedule, man. Yeah, I, I mean, even with all that being said, though, me and you do have them doing better than 10-7. and 7. I mean, at the end of the day, it it's probably going to be, like, similar to, like, the Vikings or, like, the Giants where they were winning close games, but they're going to pull them off. I mean, they got an MVP caliber quarterback that should be happening if that's the case, you know. So I had them going 13-4. and four. You had them at 11-6. and six. I mean, you talked about all the hard teams they got to play, but it, it, they got to be that team. I mean, they've done it consistently, just like the Bengals making the playoffs. You know, like, I just think that they're going to be the better team and when it, if it comes to like experience or whatever like that's just that's just what they got to do to prove that they tr- they're real you know mhm i i could see 3 and 3 in the division again mm-hmm. you pick up three more wins against the Texans Colts Cardinals 6 and 3 and from there you got to go 5 and 3 versus everyone else on the schedule to get yeah. to that 11 and 6 and i think that's reasonable and that's kind of how i did the math on this um, I do think Todd Munkin coming in is going to help this offense be better. I think Lamar will be healthy and, and he'll have a good year. I think the receivers will help him defensively. I think they're, you know, really good. If they had a lighter schedule, I might have been with you and said thirteen and four because I like yeah. this team. Think it's a tough schedule though. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I had them basically splitting the Bengals games, right? That was one of them. The Niners. I figured that's probably another one. Then I said maybe like the Chargers, you know, they get a tough game in in L.A. And then at that point, that leaves one more. Like, I don't know. I, I Maybe like another one, like I said, it's going to be really close. They lose to like, I don't know, the Browns or something or, or the Seahawks, another potential team that came out the West, the NFC West last year. So that's, that's how I saw the four. It was like the, the, they're all going to be close. But like, like I said, the Niners and like the Bengals just seem like for sure, you know. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And then, so I had a question for you with the Ravens had to do with basically all the the things that happened during the offseason. Like, they beefed up the wide receiver core. Our guy Lamar got paid. They got the new offensive coordinator. And so it was basically, do you think that Lamar could become an MVP-level uh, quarterback again after all these things that just happened? Yeah, I mean that's a it's a good question. I mean, can he be a most valuable player again, right? Mm-hmm. And I think over the course of the last couple of years he's shown flashes. Part of the problem has been I really think this contract dispute has been a big deal. I have felt like at times down the Yeah, yeah, no agent. That's I think that's just really impacted his play down the stretch of these seasons. It's also been tough when he's had like little nagging injuries and you wonder like is he not playing because he doesn't have the contract or is he not playing because he really can't play you know I mean that's kind of tough and so I'm excited to see this year all of that's fixed you know what I mean there's no excuses and I think removing those excuses also removes distractions and I think he can return to that form you know last year he played 12 games Threw for two hundred twenty uh, or twenty two hundred yards. He had a seventeen to seven touchdown INT ratio, seven hundred and sixty four rushing yards, three touchdowns rushing. You know, not bad, not great, right? In terms of what he's used to doing. 
But um, if you're looking for evidence of like what he can do, you don't have to look farther than going back to last year against the Dolphins, right? He put up monster numbers. They ended up losing this game in a, a shootout with Tua, but he put up monster numbers. So here you go. You get to play action fake. Hits Rashawn Bateman in stride. And this is when he has like a guy like Rashad Bateman is healthy. So this is the other part. Is like you give him the weapons consistently throughout the season. They're all healthy. Who knows? You know, sky's the limit. Um, and I love Todd Munkin's going to do a lot of stuff with motion like that, I think. And that will help Lamar for sure. But you, this is like, yeah, this is an easy throw for Lamar, right? In terms of like, put it on your guy, give him room to run, and then let that guy go do the work. Yeah. Here's another play. little play action. Step up. Escape to your right. Scramble. Got yards for days. Go get... 20 yards on the on the scramble. You know Lamar can always do that. Yeah. Even if things are covered. That's the beauty of having that guy. Right? Yep. Got to love the the shifty quarterbacks mobile. Yep. All give the defense something else to worry about at the end of the day. Here he comes again. Little motion. Play action again. Find the guy in the seam. That's Mark Andrews, who's just a tank, takes the hit, and keeps going, scores a touchdown. Love Mark Andrews, one of my favorite tight ends in the league. Yeah, Again, it just it puts it right on him. That's the thing about Lamar. When you see the ball come out of his hands, he has that little sidearm whip that just, sing, and it just comes out like crazy RPMs. Another play action on the goal line for the two-point conversion finds Mark Andrews again. Great decision-making. Does a really good job with this fake of selling it, getting the ball out. Likely was open too on that other side. Yeah. Here's another play. Boom, gets the ball out of the empty set, gets it right to Mark Andrews in the soft spot in the zone. Again, that guy's a tank. He still didn't get brought down. They had to blow the whistle to stop forward progress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mind's got five dudes right there. Five dolphins. These won't won't go down. Here we go. From the 14-yard line, straight drop. Again, that zing on the ball. Mm-hmm. Poof, Devin Duvernay. Just, I mean, or I believe, actually, I'm sorry, that's uh, that's Robinson, Demarcus Robinson. Boom, puts it on him, touchdown. So, like, this is when Lamar's playing at MVP form, he's doing all that stuff, right? He's getting the ball out of his hands on time. He's selling play-action fakes. He's finding his best targets. He's running, he's scrambling. All that stuff is available to you when Lamar's playing his best ball, and I think we'll get a version of that in 23. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, one of his biggest issues, my man's got to poop during the game, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I was not expecting you to say that today. I was not on my bingo card today. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to watching them for sure. The 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 receiving core alone gives me something to watch every week for them because that that's something that my man, like you said, not just the bag, but the receiving people in general. He's been lacking that extra help, especially Mark Andrews. My guy's been carrying mm-hmm. the team basically from from the receiving core. If you want to include him, yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Another team that I, I'm also looking forward to watching is gonna be the Bengals. They went twelve and four last year, finished first in the in the division, and then they ended up losing 
that AFC championship game to the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, you know, the Bengals have been really close. They've been close. Um, they had, they did have some really tough losses in free agency, though, um, particularly at safety. They lost both their starting safeties. Jesse Bates, the third, has been a really good player for a, for a while for that organization. He's been a stalwart, really. Um, he he predates, you know, Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow and yeah. um, Von Bell, another player who's been really good for a while. Hayden Hurst had a good year for them last year at tight end. Um, People make fun of him, and, and he's had a, kind of a tough set of moments in his career. But Eli Apple is a, is a guy who gave them real reps last year. You know, that's, that's a loss. Trey Flowers and another corner that they lost, and another safety, Brandon Wilson. So they their secondary is going to look very different this year. Already. Some key additions, though. They added Orlando Brown to help their offensive line, which we are going to talk about here in a little bit. They added safety Nick Scott. Tight end Irv Smith, um, Jr., <laughs> quarterback Trevor <laughs> Simeon, and then cornerback Sidney Jones. Um, so they did add some guys in that secondary, both in free agency, but also in the draft, Joe. Yeah, so they the cornerback they drafted was DJ Turner, the second, and they also drafted our guy, Miles Murphy, edge rusher, we talked about early on, too. Yeah. They drafted Jordan Battle out of Alabama, another safety I liked. They also drafted a pair of receivers in uh, Charlie Jones from Purdue and Andre Iosovis from Princeton. I actually met Andre at the Senior Bowl. Really, really good dude. Um, talked to him a little bit. He's from Hawaii. Um, I I think he'll be a, a pretty good player in the NFL. I, I really liked him. Thought he was really, really good dude. I'm rooting for him for sure. And then uh, – Chase Brown at running back as well, which could prove to be very important depending on what's going on with Joe Mixon. So, yeah, I mean, when we were doing our draft preview, I was hoping they would get our guy uh, Gibbs, but you know, that's not the way the cookie crumbled. Yeah, <laughs> the management and coaching staff that they got there—they got general manager Duke Tobin. Dude, that's a good name. Kind of like that. Head coach. Yeah. Offensive coordinator is Brian Callahan, and then DC. I, I I'm gonna botch this one. Lou and a Rumo. Hey, you got it. You got it. Nailed it. <laughs> um, so just looking up front for them, left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. Big time, big time addition. Um, he's back in the NFC North. Started in the NFC North with the Ravens, then went to the Chiefs. Now is with the Bengals. Um, they also at left guard have Cordo Volson with uh, Max Sharping backing him up. Center Ted Karras, Trey Hill backing him up. Right guard Alex Kappa and right tackle Jonah Williams with Lyle Collins backing him up. Uh, quarterback Trey Burrow with Trevor Simeon now filling the backup role there. Running back Joe Mixon, Chase Brown and Travion Williams giving him some depth. Then going across the board at the receivers, Jamar Chase at the X with Trenton Irwin backing him up. Irv Smith Jr. becomes the tight end this year. Tyler Boyd at the R position with Charlie Jones backing him up. And then T. Higgins at Z with Andre Iasivas backing him up out of Princeton. Defensively, uh, you know you've got the pair of edge players who are really good, Sam Hubbard 
and Trey Hendrickson. Joseph Osai and Miles Murphy will give them some depth there as well. Mm-hmm. It's always kind of a luxury if you can take a first round pick and a guy like Miles Murphy and you, you know, you've got such good edge players with Hubbard and Hendrickson that he doesn't have to start right away. So that's cool. Um, inside DJ Reader and BJ Hill with Josh Tupu and Zach Carter backing them up, giving them some depth. Um, at linebacker, they have a trio of guys in Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, and Akeem Davis Gaither. Uh, at the nickel corner spot, the guy who's just been good for years out of that slot corner, Mike Hilton, just total playmaker. Um, in the secondary, I mentioned it's going to be kind of a new look for them. Cam Taylor-Britt becomes a starting corner. DJ Turner backing him up. Nick Scott comes in to start at safety. Dax Hill, a first-round pick from the year before, um, becomes the other starting safety. Jordan Battle backing him up out of Alabama. And then you have Chidobe Awuzie at the other corner with Sidney Jones giving him some depth there. Yeah, I mean, the, if we're well, since I brought it up on the last one, another duo right there, Chase and Higgins, bro. Another solid group right there. Well, I, you know, I think it's a trio, man. Chase Higgins and Boyd. That's yeah, a that's a that's a probably tough to find a better trio in the league right now. <laughs> uh, but, but we gotta say that for another day. That'll be really fun. It just so happens that they just had another group of dudes that are just really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, schedule for the the Bengals. They got Week One playing the Browns on the road, so they go out to. Different part of Ohio, you know, Cleveland. Week two, they play <laughs> they play the Ravens at home. So, like we seen earlier, they got two back-to-back divisional games. It's going to be tough out the gate. Week three, they play the Rams on a Monday night game. You know, hurts a little bit. Let's see, week four, they got the Titans on the road. Week five, also on the road, going out to Arizona. See, week six, they play the Seahawks at home. The Seahawks will be coming off a bye week that week. And then following that game, they got their own bye week, week seven. And then coming out, coming out that bye week, it looks hard already. They go out to the Bay, play the Niners. And they got the Bills on the Sunday night game. Week 10, they play at home versus the Texans. Then they're back on the road playing in Baltimore on a Thursday night game. Then the following that, they got another divisional game with the Steelers this time, week 12 at home. And then their prime time again, Monday night versus the Jags in Jacksonville for week 13. I'm assuming that's your tough stretch right there because that sounds like a lot. Let's see, week 14, they got the Colts at home. Week 15, they got the Vikings at home. A couple road games here. Week 16, they got the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Tough game right here, you know, rematch of that AFC championship game, playing the Chiefs in uh, Arrowhead. Then they got the Browns at home to close out the year. Well, if you're a Bengals fan and you're looking for good news, I would say you get a decent start to the year. Um, that week, kind of two through five stretch, right? You get the Ravens at home is a tougher game, but you get the Rams on Monday Night Football at home. You know, going to Tennessee, to Arizona are not absolutely grueling games. And even getting the Seahawks at home, despite them coming off a bye, you get them at home, you don't have to go all the way to Seattle. So I do feel like that's a pretty um, softer start to the year for them. I think they should be able to come out of the gates 
get to the bye week at, you know, five and one, yeah. let's say. Right. Um, they get the kind of early bye week seven. Then they come out of that bye, and it is just I mean, it's just brutal, man. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> go to the Niners. They get the Bills on on the Sunday night football. They get the Texans, the Ravens on a Thursday night football game, the Steelers, the Jaguars on Monday night football. It's that's that's not a fun stretch. I mean, the Texans game is like a little reprieve in the middle of all of it, but man, um, that's a really long and grueling stretch of games. Um, five of five of which of those games are teams that were all in the playoffs last year, if you include the Seahawks before the bye. So, yeah, it's a tough stretch, man. Tough stretch. That makes sense. Our record predictions were pretty similar. Wait, what happened? Oh, you know what? I'm not even going to say. Uh... You had them going thirteen and four. I had them going fourteen and three. I mean, like I said, with the Ravens, I had them splitting those. The Chiefs, you know, going to be a tough one. I figured that's probably it. Could be one for sure. And then outside of that, maybe I don't know. Maybe like the Jags or something. Uh, that or or the Bills. One of those two games for sure. I'm assuming you're you're in a similar mindset with those. Yeah, I'm thinking that this year maybe they they have a little bit better divisional record, maybe four and two, uh-huh. and then I'm looking at they go one and two versus the the trio of the 49ers, Bills, and Chiefs. Yeah. So they lose two divisional games, and then they lose two out of those three, but end up with a pretty good record here at 13 and four. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're they're an obvious contender at this point. They're they're consistent. Um, Joe Burrow is that dude for so sure. Is the his windows open always or whatever? Joe Burr. <laughs> I, I botched the ball on his quote, but it's something along the line. Yeah, Joe Burr or whatever. You could go either way on that one. Joe Shiesty, you know, my man's Joe Shiesty. Uh, nicknames for sure. So yeah. Him, my question for you was: Do you think that after all the consistency that they've had between him and Zach Taylor being in the squad, uh, what do you think they need to do this coming up year for them to to finally get a ring? I think it's very simple. I think if you asked any Bengals fan, they'd have to give you the same response I'm about to give you, which is this: It's simple. Stop letting Joe Burrow get sacked. Protect Joe Burrow. It's that it's that easy. I mean, easier said than done, I should say, but it's that simple in terms of the solution to their problem. You look at their last two playoff losses. Last year they lost in the AFC Championship game. Do you know how many times Burrow was sacked? I, I don't. I'm going to say eight, but that was from the year before where they pulled off the game and he got sacked like eight or more times. I don't remember. Uh, he was sacked five times by the Chiefs. In the Super Bowl loss to the Rams the year before, he was sacked seven times. Um, so that it's it's been a common theme. They've even, as you mentioned, they even managed to win some games. I mean that that game a couple years ago in the wild card against the tight or the divisional round against the Titans, uh-huh. where Burrow was sacked whatever it was like nine or ten times or something like that, and they still won was absolutely insane. Joe Burrow is a is it he's the man and he's a monster, but the guy's already suffered an ACL injury. 
And he's young right now, so he's still really durable. He's still bouncing back. But if this keeps happening, you know, that it, it, one, you're not going to win on the biggest stage, which has shown they can get there, but they can't win it yet. Mm-hmm. And two, that guy's durability is going to stop being what it is. He's going to slowly wear down. You know, I, no one wants to see another Andrew Luck type situation, right? Mm-hmm. They need to protect this guy. They need to protect him. That's all there is to it. That's, I mean, just those four games alone, that's like almost 30 sacks that we talked about. Just And those are just playoff games. That's not even the whole season. Exactly. He's taking way too much punishment. Um, I went back and I was like, man, why did they lose that AFC championship game? I watched the whole game um, in preparation for this. And I came away thinking, man, they really should have won the game. The problem was they couldn't protect Burrow in big moments. So this was their final drive, um, which they ended up punting. You know, they ended up having to punt. They have the big return. Then all it takes is one play plus a penalty on the you know late hit on Mahomes, and then now some Chiefs are in field goal range to kick field goal. Game's over, right? Yeah. This game could have been completely different had they just protected Burrow, because I know that 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 cat would have let him down the field. They would have been the ones kicking the field goal for the win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So here's the first play, at least the first play I'm going to show you of this possession. First and ten after they'd already got a first down. He throws to uh, Hayden Hurst in the flat. You know, he goes through the progression. There's nothing there. No problem. Checks it down to Hayden Hurst off the check release at tight end. Let him get the ball, try and get out of bounds. Uh, Okay, they keep it rolling. Get back up on the ball. Here we go. Second and long. Gets back. They actually protect him well, but there's, you know, the – there's just no, there's not enough. They're having to max protect too much right now to give them protection. So there's not enough players in the route, right? So there's seven man protection here. It's only three, you know, that only leaves you three guys in the route and no one can get open. Well, now they're going to have to go, you know, at least four out, five out on third and long. They go five out, but they can't protect him. Mm-hmm. So now he gets sacked by Chris Jones, right? And that's all there is to it. I mean, it's, it's really that simple. The drive is over. I don't have a million clips to show you. It's really, this is where it came down to. They punt after this and the game is over. Once they punted away to Mahomes. You know what I mean? That's yeah, it. Had a, that same dude had a big sack early on like a different drive as well. Where it's yep. Just like, yeah. It's a drive killer. I mean, and they just can't, they can't protect Burrow consistently enough to be a championship team right now. And so bringing in Orlando Brown, that's huge. Huge. They tried to upgrade their offensive line last offseason, and I think it was better, but it still was not up to par. Yeah. Bringing in Orlando Brown, I think, um, could could potentially really be the last little part of this upgrade, the last piece that they need to potentially go win a Super Bowl or at least get back to one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, easier said than done. I'm looking forward to obviously watch this team they're they're a great team in the most recent years them you know the chiefs another one niners as always for since shanahan's been there basically so it's it's gonna be good especially with the division it's just crazy but yeah taking a look at today we got the steelers they went nine and eight like i said my guy mike tomlin just never goes under 500 as far as we know he's finished third in the division last year with that and then they missed the playoffs because the Ravens and the Bengals snuck in. Yep. 
man, Mike Tomlin, what a run. Just he just he always figures it out. Rookie quarterback, no problem. You know, Mitchell Trubisky, no problem. <laughs> you know, Big Ben's hurt, no problem. Like whatever, whatever it is. Like we don't have Antonio Brown, we don't have this, we don't have that. We're missing this guy. It doesn't matter. The guy is a model of consistency. Now, have they had much high level success in the last seven or eight years? No. You know, they really haven't had a lot of playoff success. Like I said, they're actually the the team with the longest playoff win drought in the division right now. They haven't won a playoff game since 2016. But in terms of putting themselves in position to be there at the end, they're always there. They're always got a shot to make the playoffs. Um, and I think this year is no different. Um, you look at what they lost. It, you know, there are some losses, significant losses. You know, they lost William Jackson at corner, Cam Sutton um, as well at corner. Miles Jack is still a free agent. He, he may still come back to this team. I don't know. Um, Chris Wormley has been a guy who played D-line for them for, for quite a while, and he, he's going to be gone. Robert Spillane at linebacker went and signed with the Raiders. They lost Devin Bush as well. Um, they lost safety Terrell Edmonds, um, running back Benny Snell. Corner, Akella Witherspoon, fullback Derek Watt is still a free agent out there. So, you know, it's it's it may be a different kind of looking team. A lot of these guys were veterans, have been on this on this team for a while. Yeah. Um, but you know, they also brought in some big names at guard. Isaac Siamalu is a big, big deal. Yeah. Trading for receiver Allen Robinson is huge. They brought in cornerback Patrick Peterson. Just those three names alone let you know. Like they're serious about becoming a uh, a better football team this year. They also brought in linebacker Cole Holcomb. Guard Nate Herbig gives them some depth. Safety Keanu Neal. Edge Marcus Golden. And then uh, D-lineman Braden Fajoko also give them depth defensively. Mm-hmm. And then they added some more you know, big-time players in the draft. Yeah, they drafted Broderick Jones, who we touched on during our tackle review. And they got Joey Porter as well in that second round. I know... And then they're your uncle, man. I don't know what he did, but he 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 could be in this management group over here because he he called those called the he shot called both of them called yeah. both of them. Um, <laughs> and then they also drafted Keanu Benton and uh, at D line, and then tight end Darnell Washington later in the in the draft as well. They had, I think, the Steelers maybe have one of the best drafts in the league uh-huh. this year. I mean, they they could prove to have drafted four starters. Yeah, um, which is always a good draft. You know, if you can do that, that's pretty impressive. So I really liked what they did. Yeah, and then the people, you know, who would get credit for those and people that don't get choked by them, we got general manager Omar Khan, head coach Mike Tomlin, who we talked about many times today, longest tenured guy, or second longest tenured guy on a coaching staff. Let's see, offensive coordinator Matt Canada, and then D coordinator is going to be Terrell austin mm-hmm. you know they uh again they they kept some i said this was an organization that models consistency certainly um have had that in their coaching coaching staff and mike tomlin decided to keep that group together going into this year despite some people wanting matt canada to be fired i would say um he, he's given him another shot with this group with kenny pickett which i think is a good thing for kenny pickett to be honest with you to have the same oc you know, back to back, at least to start his NFL career here. Kind of looking at the guys he's going to be able to play with, though. Left tackle, Broderick Jones projects to start right away. 
Dan Moore should be his backup at guard. Isaac Siamalu should plug in right there at the left guard. Mason Cole at center has been pretty good. Um, at right guard, you've got James Daniels and Nate Herbig. Um, and then at right tackle, you've got um, – oh, let me make sure that I say this right. Chuck Wuma Okorafor at right tackle. Nailed it. Uh, and then LaRaven Clark is his backup as well, giving them some depth there. At quarterback, Kenny Pickett with Mitch Trubisky coming back to be his backup. You also have Mason Rudolph as well to be uh, the third guy. Yeah. Running back, you know, you got Najee Harris, and then you also have Jalen Warren backing him up. Um, I know my uncle likes Jalen Warren. Um, been pretty good. At, out, or like yeah. Reps, so. Mm-hmm. He's he's got he's a, he's a good little back. At the X receiver, George Pickens, seen a lot of hype about him recently on social media. Everyone's saying George Pickens is going to have a big year. We'll see. Hey, I, um, I need to, I need to get on that side of Twitter. Oh man, they basically I saw something that said his receiver coach considered his rookie year a failure, Whoa. and they were both like, "Oh, he's going to be way better this year." We'll see. Yeah. Um, Hakeem Butler. Gives them some depth there. Pat Fryermuth at tight end. Deontay Johnson in the slot with Miles Boykin giving him some, uh, you know, giving some reps behind him. And then outside, you've added Allen Robinson to play at the Z. Um, so different, different weapons this year for Kenny Pickett um, in terms of adding Allen Robinson, but a lot of consistency otherwise. You know, the offensive line should be upgraded, especially that left side with Roger Jones and Isaac Siamalu. Um, so I think this offense should take a step forward as long as uh, Matt Canada is leading it that way. Okay. Defensively, you got TJ Watt and Larry Ogunjobi on the edges with Marcus Golden and Alex Highsmith giving him some depth there. Inside, Keanu Benton and Cameron Hayward with Braden Fahoku and Isaiah Loudermilk giving him depth. Um, at linebacker, Cole Holcomb projects to come in and start with a Landon Roberts at Mike. Tanner Muse is another guy that came over that should be backing him up. Linebacker is going to be a very interesting position for the Steelers this year, especially if they do not ever bring back Miles Jack. I I kind of feel like they will, to be honest with you, based on looking at this this group right now. It feels like they're missing something at linebacker. So we'll see. Interesting, I've noticed that they're projecting Patrick Peterson to start at the slot corner rather than the outside corner, which kind of makes sense with what they have going on in this defense. Uh He's the playmaker they've been missing at that slot corner since Mike Hilton left. So that could be a huge deal for them. But speaking of corner, outside corner, you got Levi Wallace with Joey Porter Jr. starting, and then Corey Trice Jr. and James Pierre giving them some depth. Then at safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, the playmaker. DeMonte Casey start next to him. Trey Norwood and Keanu Neal giving him some depth. Yeah, I mean, sounds good, man. I mean, <laughs> our guy, uh, Patrick Peterson, uh, that's uh, one dude who's been just been thrown around everywhere recently. But, I mean, he still does his job. Great playmaker on defense for sure. <clears throat> well, yeah, the crazy thing is he's still – he was really productive for the Vikings. Yeah. You know, I th- – I think it's uh I think it's a good pickup for the Steelers. He fits the Steelers and I like I said it's interesting seeing him like play in the slot, you know, cuz I think at this stage in his career he could be pretty good there. What would you say is the difference between playing like a traditional corner and then the slot? What would 
Well, I mean, your roles and responsibilities are almost completely different, right? On the outside corner, oftentimes, especially if you're if you're pattern matching. So if you're man, it man is man, right? Yeah. It doesn't. The the difference there would be you're playing against slot receivers versus the outside receivers, so the matchups are a little different. But that's not really too different. Um, but if you're playing zone coverages, you're if you're playing like match quarters or cover three match or whatever, a lot of times you're going to pretty much end up covering that number one receiver on most route concepts. So your job is fairly easy from the standpoint of from a thought process perspective and, and pattern matching. However, your job is hard because a lot of times you're on that Island. Whereas inside your job from a thought process perspective can be very different. Like sometimes you're going to be a blitzer. Sometimes you're playing a true zone coverage. You might be playing the flat. Sometimes you're kind of in a carry technique where you're going to carry that guy on everything outside um, and vertical. You know, sometimes you may even play a hook depending on what's happening with the the pressure, whatever. Like you could do a lot of different jobs inside the slot. You have a lot more responsibilities, um, but you're also protected a little bit more because you have a corner outside of you, a safety behind you. So it's a little different um, just in terms of you have to be more durable and adaptable in the slot is what I would say. But if you're a really smart player like Patrick Peterson is, I think you can do a little bit more and, you know, take advantage of your skill set. And that's why, like, for instance, Jalen Ramsey played in the slot a lot with the Rams just because it was like, hey, get him around the ball, utilize his talents more than just sticking him outside. Um, but everyone's thought process philosophy is different, and it's also defense dependent, like what your job really ends up being in there. Gotcha. Well, there's our learning segment for this episode. You there you go. Learning segment for the day. <laughs> the schedule that the Steelers got this year following that <clears throat> answer from our guy TB, the DC, you know, <laughs> that's kind of fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got the Steelers coming off hot already. They play the Niners week one, a tough for tough start to the season. But they got the Browns week two Monday night playing their first divisional game at home, of course. Week two, or sorry, week three, they go out to Las Vegas. They're playing on a Sunday night game versus the Raiders. Week four, they're traveling again out to Houston this time, playing the Texans. And then week five, they got that Ravens game at home, second divisional game right there, all prior to their bye week on week six. Then following that, they travel out to L.A. to play the Rams. Oh, that could be, you know, keep that on my watch list. Maybe make that one. Mm -hmm. They play the Jaguars in Pittsburgh. Oh, they get three home games right here following that Rams game. So they got the Jaguars week eight. Week nine, they got the Titans on a Thursday night game. So uh, quick week on that one. Week 10, they got the Packers. You know, that sounds like a fun game. That's a... We could see maybe Kenny Pickett shining, maybe Jordan Love, you know. Week ten weeks in, gonna be a good one, I think. Week eleven, they travel out to Cleveland. So they play them again already, week eleven. Week twelve, they go out to Cincy, so they're staying in Ohio with those games right there. Playing the Bengals finally. Let's see. Week thirteen, they got the Cardinals at home. Week fourteen, another Thursday night game. See 
This is what we need more, bro. The young, fun teams on the Thursday night game. Where <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, the, it's a good rivalry game with the Pats. Yeah. That's a classic game right there for sure. It's a good call by you. Weeks 15, they got the Colts on the road, so they're traveling out to Indianapolis. They close out with three out of the last four on the road. That's kind of tough. But That's a good, uh, good segue for me, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Week 16, they got the Bengals on the road. Well, not just, not just the fact that they're on the road, but a lot of these teams right here, it's some hitters right here at the end. The 16, they got the Bengals at home in Pittsburgh. Travel out to Seattle. That's a far travel going cross country, basically. And then mm-hmm. they close out going to Baltimore versus the Ravens. Dude, I don't know if anyone has a rougher final two games at Seattle at Baltimore. <laughs> Good luck. Like your you, whatever your record is going into week 17, you probably just tack <laughs> two two losses onto it cuz those yeah. two games on the road are going to be really hard like I mean real tough games. I I think weeks 14 through 18 is their toughest stretch of the season having to play the Pats on Thursday night football. You know, it's never fun when you're a young quarterback playing against Bill Belichick. Not only that, but you're playing him on a short week. You know, maybe at the Colts is an easier game per se, but then you got to come back and you got the Bengals in the division at the Seahawks, at the Ravens. Yeah, three of those final four on the road, those last two being on the road being really tough ones. You have the short week against Billy B um, in week 14. That's a That's a rough final five games, I would say. That's a tough stretch right there. Um, on the flip side though, they do actually have a softer opening, I would say, um, weeks two through seven, pretty, pretty light, you know, I mean, they get to play the Browns on Monday night football. They got to go to the Raiders for Sunday night football. They got to go to the Texans. They get the Ravens at home, tougher game, but it's at home. And then they go to the Rams off the bye week where they get the rest advantage. So I think that's a pretty good recipe for them to win at least three of those five, if not four. Um, I would say that they would feel pretty good about them winning, you know, the Browns Raiders Texans game and, and probably the Rams game because they get the bye week before it. So, you know, I would, I would say that they should feel good about coming out of that stretch, you know, with, the, with, you know, four wins. Um, I, I would expect them by the time week seven is done, you know, I would expect them to be sitting at somewhere around four and two. Yeah. I mean, very doable for sure. Like it is, those games are a little lighter compared to the the end of their season for sure. I will say we, this is the one we didn't really agree on. I had them doing worse than their nine and eight. I had them going seven and 10. You had them improving to 10 and seven. I mean, I don't know. I know I've been mentioning a lot about our guy Mike Tomlin, but I just feel I'm bad, very surprised you know, and disappointed in you right now. Yeah, I am. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny. After I heard you talk about their additions, you know, I I was like, dang, I should have should have read more into this because <laughs> I, I normally just look at the schedule and go win, <laughs> lose, maybe. My my favorite those. thing about uh, doing this with you is every, every time I go time through. Every time I go through like my whole thought process with you, yeah. somehow I sway you to be like, man, I'm not really convicted in my prediction anymore. <laughs> it happens. Every time. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it, there's always at least one of them. I can guarantee that. It's this always is, funny. Too. This is definitely more fun because if we, 
you know, to give everyone the peek behind the curtain, like Joe and I do not talk about this before we get on the pod. I mean, we talk about like, we have a game plan, you know, obviously we, we have like pre-production, but like, we don't talk about who, what we think our predictions are, what we think and why we don't go through that stuff. We really do it live on, on the pod. I think for this reason, cause it's a more genuine reaction and you actually get to see both of us in terms of our thought process before we actually talked it out, you know, so that it's genuine and it's not just like a, a group think, oh, okay, we, we have the same records on everyone. You know, it's a little more fun this way. Um, cause like, like, he, like you said, it keeps the variability, but there's times when I, like, I don't know if you noticed, but I got these in early cause I was oh, like, yeah. sometimes I get yours and I was like, should I give them one more? And I'm like, you know what? Nah. So I, I make sure to get them in before you. So I didn't have to deal with that this week. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was good. It was funny. Cause there's been certain things that you've said before too, where I've kind of been like, ah, maybe I overthought that or I didn't think about that thing, you know, like. So it's it definitely goes both ways, I would say. Yeah, but my question for you for this Steelers team would be, do you think you could get more consistency out of this wide receiver core to help out Kenny Pickett improve from last year to this year? I do. Um, and I think part of the reason why I have them upgrading by a game in 23, I think, one, the additions on the offensive line. I, I do think them that left side of their offensive line is going to be much better. And then two, I think they can be much better with their receiving core. I think Pickens, Deontay Johnson can all can both be better. And then adding Allen Robinson makes things a little more dangerous. Um, you know, I looked at kind of statistically what their guys looked like last year. Can it, uh, George Pickens as a rookie went 52 catches for 801 yards, four touchdowns. Deontay Johnson went 86 catches for 882 yards, no touchdowns. Allen Robinson, 33 catches, 339 yards, three touchdowns with the Rams, shut down obviously very early. And then Pat Fryermuth, 63 catches, 732 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I think it's realistic for for you know them to have at least one, if not two, guys over a thousand yards this year, and then the other guy being around that 800 mark, and Fryermuth once again being between seven and 800 yards receiving. Um, I think that's if they went with, you know, I mean, obviously it would be spectacular if they had two thousand yard receiving guys and then two 800 receiving yard you know guys. But um, I do think they can get more consistency out of Pickens in year two. Deontay Johnson needs to be better. He was better earlier in his career. He needs to kind of get back to form. And then I think Allen Robinson can help a lot. Um, So I was kind of studying these different receivers and looking at what they do best. And I kind of have like, you know, two clips of every guy in terms of what they can bring. So here's here's George Pickens. Um, This was, uh, I believe, Christmas Eve. Uh, last year, somewhere around there, I I think that's when they played the Raiders. But I just remember this was a great game. Went down to the wire. George Pickens scores the game-winning touchdown. So here he is in the red zone. One thing that Pickens does a really good job of, he attacks the leverage of the player covering him. You see that? See how you really this this uh, DB is in an outside carry technique. So he's going to carry everything vertical and outside. He's going to stay top shoulder. And so what George Pickens identifies is like, if that's your leverage, I'm going to attack that leverage and make you stick to your guns, right? And then I'm going to use that against you and cut back underneath. And so he's really, really pressing this thing outside. 
to not only get this defender moving outside, but also give himself space when he breaks back in between him and that safety, that next defender. And it gives Kenny Pickett a great window to throw this ball into. Now he's fitting the ball between the outside defender and the inside defender. George Pickens, touchdown. Yeah, that can't make was Christmas Eve. There we go. Yeah, okay. I thought so. But this was just a the route, the stem of the route was fantastic because he creates so much space. Football is a game of space, man. If, if you can create it with your concept and in the way that you run your route, you'll win every time. And so look at, yeah, look at all that space he creates for Pickett. Pickett, great ball. I mean, perfect placement. Puts it on the money. Game winner. Huge. Okay, here's another one. You'll see sitting in the slot down here. Again, see how he, he gets inside leverage, right? He gets inside of the leverage of the defender. Okay, now he's dropping to the flat. Now I can work back on top, stack it. Boom, touchdown. Now this is also, I think, partially a blown coverage by the Browns because there's no way he should be that open. But again, attacking leverage, creating open space for himself. Kenny Pickett identifies it, gets all the way back across the field, slings it in there, touchdown. Great play by by Pickens. Okay, now here's Deontay Johnson. Bottom of the screen here. He's going to work inside to get back out. Fantastic on the out route. He's really shifty. Great change of direction. This is what he does a really good job of. He can work you one way to go the other. This is even with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. Who actually makes a great throw here. Puts it on the money. Gives him a guy the space to come back and create some yak. All right, now we go to Allen Robinson. He's really good at working the middle of the field. This is off the play action with the Rams. Boom, Stafford puts it on him, takes the hit. Great play from him. This was his best game against the Panthers for sure in a Rams uniform. <laughs> Tax the middle of the defense. He's also great in the red zone. You see him in the bottom of the screen here. One-on-one fade ball matchup. Stafford loves throwing this ball. Just boop. Throw it on the money. Great play. Goes up and gets it. He's really good at, at at creating that space in the in the red zone, and then also being able to jump and just beat a guy to the ball. Great throw, great play. Okay, Fryermuth, another guy who's fantastic in the red zone because he's got a big body, his catch radius is insane, and he's got a little shift to him where he can be on an island and make this play. Look, he's really one on two right now because he knows he's got this guy in man coverage, and now there's this guy sitting here in the middle of the field. Now, if you look at it. They're really essentially showing you a, a kind of a two-on-two look backside and a four-over-three look front side with five guys in the pressure, right? Yeah. That's what they're showing you right now. So really, Kenny Trubisky, it uh, looks like Trubisky's playing quarterback here, identifies early. He's got the matchup with Fryermuth. You'll see Najee's running in the route. Where does that backer go? Takes him away. So it vacates this middle of the field, and Fryermuth knows if I can just get this guy leaning outside, I'm going to get back underneath. And look what he did. See how he, he gained inside leverage now? Yeah. It's game over. It doesn't, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter what the defender does. Yeah, it doesn't matter what that defender does anymore because he's inside. So all Trubisky has to do is just put the ball inside. 
touchdown. That's just, I mean, when you're that big of a body and you get inside on the goal line like this, it's over. No one's going to go through him because he's just too big. That's why he's such a matchup problem. Here it is again, right here. Now they put him in the, the bunch on the outside and watch what he's going to do. So he's patient. He creates, he sees where it opens up. It creates one-on-one. Now again, I'm going to try and work inside of you and use my body, use my frame. And look, he gets inside and now it's over. Kyle Hamilton got rookied right there. That was his rookie, that was a rookie moment for him. He got big boyed by Fryermuth. You can see it again here. You'll see Trubisky's waiting on it too. He knows that's what he wants the whole time. Look at you see it? He's staring it down, really. Because he knows. Oh, he creates that inside position. It's game over. So all of these guys give you something a little bit different. And I think with a full year of Kenny Pickett in the Matt Canada offense, all these guys being healthy. I do think uh, they could give him more consistency and they should be a better team offensively with a better offensive line as well. Um, I really like the Steelers going into 23 for that reason. Yeah, I will say, I don't know if it was Deontay Johnson or uh, the other guy, I can't remember his name. They they just, they would drop open balls, man. It was bad. They'd be wide open, hit them, just straight rocks. And it's like, that's a TD. That's house, you know what I mean? So uh, that is one thing for sure that that makes perfect sense. If they could improve on those little things, like they're going to be scary for sure. I agree. I think Deontay Johnson's a guy who really needs to have a bounce back here. Allen Robinson's another guy. He wasn't with Steelers last year, but he had a rough year. Needs a bounce back here. I think obviously I talked about George Pickens. Apparently that wasn't, I thought it was a good rookie year for him, but it wasn't up to his standard for himself. That's great. Be better this year. Um, so I do think there's a lot of room for improvement and I do think all those guys are talented enough that they will. Yeah, I feel it. So the banger of the week, we made it to that time of the show. <laughs> we, uh, I, I guess it's me, huh? Yeah, it my is your question, turn, my friend. My question for you, do you want what I was going to give you or the change of mind I had on my way home today? Oh, the spur of the moment's always better. Yeah, change of mind. All right, so you I'm sure you'll agree with this one. I on my way home, I threw on like my my go-to playlist, right? Okay. Jake, Jake Cole, Kanye. And fantastic I kind of let, it ride let it just ride. I was like, okay. I haven't I haven't sat down and fully listened to. It. I kind of just go pick a couple songs and then you know that by the time that happens, I'm already where I, where I need to be. But on my way home, we had J. Cole pop on. Now, I'm sure you can guess the album. You know, me and you spent many... 2014, time. Forest Hills Drive, baby. And Fire Squad came on. Oh, my, yeah. My, my guy goes in on like like four to five bars. I was singing with them. I was going crazy. And I was like, wow. I haven't sat down and listened to this in a minute. You know what I mean? Man, takes me back to the Lobo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I remember we were, what, juniors in high school yeah. going into yeah, our senior like, year. Yeah. And we oh, uh, we used to – I used to park next to Joey every day, hop yeah. out of my car, hop into his. <laughs> yeah, we'd get there We'd get there before school like 30 minutes early Yeah, I had for to, whatever reason. My car, my car wasn't the best when I had to sit in traffic. So 
I would always leave at like six fifty, six fifty five latest, because I I live down the block. I could just mm-hmm. straight through the light sometimes, you know. But uh, that was my reasoning. I mean, you lived a little farther away. You probably wanted to beat traffic as well. Yeah, I think I my thing was I was farther away. Traffic was unpredictable, so I just left early enough so I wouldn't have to deal with it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then we would just uh, to kill time. I just hop out of the car, hop in your car. We park next to each other every day. <laughs> hop in the hop in the old Lobo. And uh, and basically, once that album came out, dude, you had it on CD. Remember that? Yeah. Literally that, CD, that was- which even for 2014 was crazy. <laughs> and uh, and we used to just listen to this to the album, just like let it run through, like mm-hmm. almost every day for like at least <laughs> at least a few weeks in a row. <laughs> We, and then we would just rotate. I think like another one I would always throw on was like the ASAP one. I don't even remember what it was oh. called at that time. And then Drake, if you're reading yeah. this, it's too late. Yep. Yeah. Good times. Yep. Good times, man. Good times. So it takes us back. But yeah. I, nah, I'm not going to do it. I was going to say I could do it too for like you did that one week, but I'm not going to steal your juice. Save it, save it, bro. Save it for the next one. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time, maybe you have this one that I that I was gonna do. There we go. All right. So in summary, we both like the Bengals mm-hmm. to and, uh, win the division. We like the Ravens finishing second. We like the Steelers finishing third. Browns finishing last. Just in uh, maybe slightly different uh, records, but essentially similar order, similar records. Um, so we'll see what happens, and we will be back. Yeah, we will be back uh, next week with the NFC North. We'll be talking Vikings, Packers, Bears, and Lions. Um, there we go, baby. So come in and check us out. Um, obviously, follow the pod on all of our uh, platforms: Apple, Spotify, Amazon. Um, make sure you make sure you subscribe. Make sure you go check us out on YouTube if you want to see the clips we're talking about and see our pretty faces, all the great graphics we create. You know, you get a little extra yeah, if you go watch yeah, it on YouTube. He, he's always done a good job. He's done basically anything that has to do with the graphics that we've ever done from the beginning of time. And you know, I, I don't ever throw him his flowers for those, but he kills it every time. Uh, he always Appreciate finds it. a way to improve every time. It's crazy. Appreciate. I don't know. I I tried doing a couple things. On like Photoshop, I don't understand it at all. I had to go another one. We're a we're a two man operation. We each have our uh, our specialties. Mine's creating graphics. Yours is yours is producing and editing all the sound because I can't do any of that. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think we 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 figured out this is a two man show right now, and uh, we're both the hosts, co hosts, producers, uh, graphic creators, writers. We do it all. So if you're listening and you like it, it's pretty much just us two to take all the credit. We take it all. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're if you're still listening, watching, we appreciate you. And um, obviously, yep, follow, subscribe, all the good stuff, and come back next week for the NFC North, baby. We're getting closer to the start of training camp. We're getting there. Keep sticking with us. We'll almost we'll almost be there. Um, but boom uh, season. There we go, baby. But uh, stick with us. And until that next time, we got our guy Ray Ray taking us out.
could tell them I remember But will they all remember me? I wonder how they feel about me I guess we'll have to wait and see Time moving fast now Feeling like I'm on my own Acting like I got it figured out But I don't know what's going on See, I don't know what's gonna happen I don't wanna let you down, mama Try to front like I ain't worried about it But deep down, I'm scared, mama Catching glimpses of this evil world I can't avoid it, it's impossible And my biggest fear probably Is I'm end up being evil too I'm conflicted cause I always say I'm still the same But if I'm wanting something different, then I gotta change I want them all to remember me and to know my name We got a purpose and I'm feeling like I found mine But I still second guess myself in my damn time <sighs> Stress is never ending, I'm losing my damn mind Am I a descendant of David like the chosen one? Or am I someone begging for you to notice him? Will I go down in history? Or will I be forgotten in the mystery? Tell them I remember But will they all remember me? I wonder how they feel about me I guess we'll have to wait and see